This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash G-O-T for your free audiobook download. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create beautiful websites, blogs, or online stores for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter offer code G-O-T at checkout to get 10% off. Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 9, titled The Dance of Dragons. Uh, Aaron's least favorite episode ever of television, I think. Dance, dance, dragolution. Period. He's seen Power Rangers. He's seen <laughs> uh, Boy Meets World. And this is his least favorite hour of television. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate to say. Okay. Well, it's now to like it in the instant cast. <laughs> <laughs> we still cover Walking Dead, right? We do. You're okay. Right. You're right. All right. So let's just look cal- calibrate our expectations appro- appropriately. Okay. Uh, what do you think of this episode after the second viewing? Uh, mm, I, I my opinion on the choreography of the initial fighting in the pit improved somewhat. Mine too. Yeah. My overall impression: the dragon FX were more positive than I than I expected or that I thought. Uh, I really, I think that the one soul, the sore spot was the moment Danny jumped on his back. Yeah, I mean, calling it a sore spot kind of, you know, downplays it. I think it looked fucking terrible. It's not, an, an, <laughs> I mean, I kind of was surprised that Seppenwall and Greenwalds and some of the professional critics you know, were praising it as this, like, epic soaring moment and, you know, uh, and, and debating huh. whether that sugar outweighed the the vinegar of the Shireen burning, and no one said that the compositing really? was terrible and looked fake as hell. Now, that seems to be everywhere else you go. You go into the forums and, and the Reddits, and in my email bag, people are like, looks like bullshit. And <laughs> so weird, because you'd think the actual Drogon running around the arena rampaging and burning shit would be the hard part to do. Yeah. yeah. Her, you know, you get a, you get a, a rubber dragon back, uh-huh. And you get a win, you get a big, you get a big fan to blow on her face, and yep. you you composite a background in there, and you're done. Yeah, I mean, if I can buy that the seventy Superman was flying, why can't I buy that this dragon? Is I real? believed the man could fly in 1978. I did not believe a woman <laughs> could fly on a dragon in 2015. It's weird. No, it's I don't understand it because the rest of it looks so good. And I started to justify because I remember remember how rough the dire wolves were in season one. Uh, like, not so much. But they, they were pretty rough. A, a little of the compositing, I remember being kind of bad. And, and then they kind of nailed it from season two on. And I started mm-hmm. thinking, well, maybe. But I'm like, why the fuck would they have? Were they just surprised the Drogo? I mean, like they had to have known that. <laughs> it's not an exaggeration to say they would have known that from probably before season one, huh. because okay. I think uh, Dance came out between season one and season two. But surely the Double Ds knew that this crowning thing was going to happen at some point in the future and you'd think they'd have like you know a little cottage industry in the back like hey let's see some of this uh, test danny footage and this is what they came up with i I think it was i think it was a a pet scene of amelia clark or emil clark i don't know how you say her name i think it's amelia uh 
and they they were like, look, we don't have the budget, we don't have the time for this. We we kind of wanted to do this in the final episode. She's like, I'm pretty good in Photoshop, and she yeah, she's like, you know, I've I've went to a couple of college courses, yeah, in uh, editing, video editing, and I sure. think I could give it a shot. And they say they let her. No, nah, it it, it was, was it was a never ending story. This was <laughs> it t- was it was real bad. It was it was I, it was a Treyu and the Luck yeah. Dragon and anyway, and well. There will be plenty of time to talk about that at the end, I'm sure. Speaking of 80s synth music, yeah, I've been pretty remiss of not shouting out the, the uh, persons involved in uh, providing us our awesome uh, Game of Thrones 80s television remix theme. It's Highway Superstar, mm-hmm. and uh, they're really cool. They got a lot of good stuff. You can go to their SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash highway superstar. And I've got that link in every single show notes for every one of our Game of Thrones podcasts. So if you ever want to know, uh, pop over to show notes. It's the link at the bottom. Okay. What about the people who made the episode? Uh, it's written by the Double Ds. Although they were, I, I, I felt like in the in the behind the scenes, the insider, they were all like, "George made us do it." <laughs> Did you get were that? They? I I only watched bits and pieces of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah, I. It, it's almost like they felt like, "Ooh, this is going to be really brutal." Uh, want to make sure people know that this isn't a deviation from the because huh. this okay. doesn't. You know, this is all future events. Like from the moment. Stannis rode forth from Winterfell, essentially. Yeah. Uh, we are kind of at beyond the books, uh, certainly now. So mm-hmm. uh, they wrote it with, with some, some assist, of, with some bullet points and whatever by Martin. It's directed by David Nutter, who's known as the pilot whisperer, because he has been brought on to film an unusual number of pilots for television series. Hmm. Uh, he's done work. Uh, he's directed six episodes of Game of Thrones, including the Fantastic Reigns of Castamere. That's the Red Wedding episode. He's currently working on The Flash, Arrow, Homeland. Uh, he's directed ER, The Sopranos, X Files. My personal wow. favorite, Space Above and Beyond. That's so. That's a lot of shows. Yeah, he's he goes back into the mid eighties. Um, I I don't know. I don't know why he seems to have a tr- have trouble like the director before the last uh, with directing some action sequences. Hmm. Because I will, you know, when we get to there, I will talk plenty of shit about, especially the Unsullied. Okay, yeah. Then I have enjoy been, talking have shit been, about the have unsullied. been warped into oblivion at this point. Yep. I don't even know what to say. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, would you? Uh, since I didn't have, since, so I got even more feedback than I did last week. Mm-hmm. But majority of it is predictable. Mm-hmm. Stannis rage. Sure. I'm, I'm going to just get it out of the way. I'm going. I'm going to read a few select, out of context quotes that I pulled from my mailbag. Okay. Screw Stannis. Yep. Fuck Stannis. Mm-hmm. I'm starting my own death list a la Arya Stark, and he's leading <laughs> lead, leading the list. Utterly devastated, soul-crushing, Jump the Shark can now be replaced by Road the Dragon. Stannis needs the full Ramsay treatment. Stannis makes me fucking sick. I've never been close to turn off the show and never watching again. Mm-hmm. Stannis, if you need to take the throne like this, I hope you die. Yep. I will never. I think that was direct tweeted at him too. I will never forgive the double D's for this. I now understand what show only watchers felt when Ned lost his head, when the wedding turned red, and when the Viper went dead. Stannis mm-hmm. and Melisandre are now on my death list. My love for Stannis is unsalvageable. It made me physically sick. It ruined the evening for me. I was livid. Yeah, and and on and on. That that's just just, just a, a choice. Non repetitive quotes. Yeah. Yeah. People pissed at Stannis. Sure, I was equally pissed at Stannis, and I, I had the luxury, I guess, of never really caring that much for Stannis. Um, I, I kind of viewed him as the the guy who had the best claim, but you know, I, I, like I said before, I didn't really understand him. I didn't really like him that much. 
Now I fucking hate him. What's well, weird because usually when we've had, I didn't really care much about Stannis until I got to like feast and dance because it seemed like he was positioned to be the pragmatic choice of, uh, you know, yeah, bringing us justice to the Boltons, the Freys, the Lannisters, etc. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because most of the time when we've been set up like that, the hero gets killed. Mm-hmm. This is just like his original purpose seems to be perverted. It's it's almost worse. Like him getting his head cut off. It's like, well, you know, I I still backed the right guy. He just lost his head. What are you going to do? Yeah. This it's like I don't know. It's like it's such a visceral like, uh, you know, betrayal. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I agree. Uh, why don't we get into the recap, yeah? Yeah, let's do it. Well, we'll have time to talk about all this stuff. All right. Uh, it's the middle of the night. Stannis' camp catches fire, and in the morning, Davos reports the damage, and he kind of wonders aloud, you know, what what the hell they're going to do. They're stuck between going back to Castle Black or going on to Winterfell, and Stannis just looks over at Melisandre. Yeah, that fucking red witch didn't see this coming, did she? Staring in her flames she late She did about night. 30 seconds before it happened. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> But she's, yeah, yeah, she's got the TiVo of mm-hmm. uh, of foreknowledge. About thirty seconds that she can, you know, <laughs> they're on a delay. Yeah. Oh God. Um, Ramsey's few good men, surprisingly effective. Yeah, it seemed like it, and it seemed like it started to break the spirit of a lot of people there too. Certainly, uh, Davos was in in bad shape mentally. Yeah, I didn't think the episode got off to a great start because. They established that clearly the camp was guarded. They had men patrolling it, even with it being as cold as it was and whatever. And yet still these guys infiltrated the camp and surgically burnt the food stores, the weapon stores. They set horses on fire. Very, very attack of, you know, uh, Mars attacks moment. Okay. Uh, I I like that. But I, I, I don't know, man. That's, ah, the, the, the 20 good men strategy I thought was kind of dumb. And I'm surprised it worked. And fuck. I thought fuck it was Ramsey. too. I mean, like, I didn't think the 20 good men could do much damage mm-hmm. to it. Like, you don't have a guy guarding the food stores, like a, a series of people guarding the important resources of this army. See, I, I was, expe- I actually expected this. I, I, I talked in a spoiler cast about how I could see them like riding through and setting tins yeah. on fire, and that uh-huh. makes Stannis. It forces him into a rash action. Like, he's not quite ready, but he's got to because now they don't have shelter. Mm-hmm. I, I I guess it did that. It did goad him into rash it action. Did. It's not yeah. the rash action I wish he'd taken, but... Certainly. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it seems surprisingly effective. Um, then we go up to John at the wall, and he arrives with wildlings, and Alistair, you know, looks at him from the wall for a minute, and everybody's wondering, is he going to let him in? Isn't he? And he eventually does. Mm-hmm. And there's just a couple of scenes where they're all talking about, you know, John views it as a failure. Sam doesn't. Alistair says, you know, a lot of shit's going bad because of your your bleeding heart. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why Alistair is so angry about this. Like, does he think that the wildlings are going to eat them from within? Does he think that... Yes. 
Really? He does? Well, I think there's the concern that they literally will eat them from within. Like, we don't have enough food to feed the few hundred men we have left. Now we brought 5,000 or plus people south of the wall who are sick, wounded, and injured. And it's too late to start farming because I don't know if you noticed, but it's fucking snowing. Winter has come. Yeah. So what are we going to do? And then you also have the, they'll probably slit our throats too. Like if things go bad and there has to be a fight I, between I don't who know. gets. I think the the people at Castle Black are more likely to slit the wildlings throats. I Given the looks. But that's the way it works, right? You A lot, a lot of your fears about the other, you know, and I'm, I'm using that in, in the kind of like the archetypal sense, not like the White mm-hmm. Walker. But your fears about the other are often reflections of your worst thoughts of what you would do in their place. Okay. Constrained by none of your positive qualities. Yeah. So, you know, he's thinking, hey, if I got a chance, I'd murder them all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're bad guys. I'm good guys. So, fuck. Okay. Um, Ollie also doesn't look happy. He he gives him John the stink eye when he comes back. Uh, And then we go up to Stannis again. Or down to Stannis, I guess. Um, He sends Davos to Castle Black to get some supplies and some food and stuff like that horses and before he leaves davos stops in to see shireen and he gives her a gift to say thank you for teaching him to read nice little moment there between the two of them yeah nice little heartwarming scene to make sure we're all going to be really fucking sick about what happens yep do you so it seems like the emailers we had a debate about whether we thought davos really thought stannis would do this and i thought that no he was worried about it but he's like i'm going to trust my king uh, mm-hmm. do you think that that's an accurate reading? Cause I had a lot of people thinking that, uh, he actually did know, but he's a kind of a company man. type. No, nope. I thought that he trusted Stannis not to do that. What happens in, between their relationship now? Uh, I think it's over. That's a rift that he's shown his true colors, you know? Yeah. He's on board with Melisandre, no matter the cost. To anyone, and I don't know that Davos can put up with that. Yeah, I, I there. I mean, this is kind of like the tension between them and Gendry, which was Stannis's illegitimate nephew, only mm-hmm. much larger and much more personal stakes for him. Yeah. The, the 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 real problem is I don't know where that leaves him. Uh, you know, if 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 Stannis dies in this coming assault, I could see him having a role of rallying the troops back to the the wall although he's gonna have a hard time r- uh, rallying all these baratheon troops baratheon uh, troops to fight for the wall when they themselves have not seen the white walkers or anything like that sure uh um, then he's gonna have he'd have to deal with melisandre because she's a problem yeah i'm i'm really not sure how that's all gonna play out but it seems like davos is gonna come back he's gonna find out what happened and he's going to have to make a call uh, unless I mean, it's possible that the battle just goes on and Davos gets back and the battle's kind of over. Could be. I mean, or Stannis. I mean, he, the, the more interesting possibility is what if Stannis wins? Sure. And it's seen as this great victory for the Lord of Light. I mean, I, I don't know. I really don't well, know. Well, that's what, the question. Like, he's always trusted Melisandre's magic because it's worked in the past in some nebulous way. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it doesn't work this time, oh, she's in some God. serious fucking trouble. Yeah. She's dead, yeah. and I'm really hoping that's how it goes. I'm okay. hoping Stannis gets his uh, just desserts by killing his daughter and having nothing come of it, yeah. and then Melisandre gets hers by being killed by Stannis. That's what I would like to see. And then Roose comes in and kills them all. 
Yeah, I mean... Because I'm more on Roos's side now. Roos is a better guy than Stannis, in my opinion. Here's the thing. His son? Fuck his son, but Roos is better. The the only magic that we've actually seen in Convertible truth, uh, Proof that has actually worked and not been some kind of coincidence or stage magic yeah. was when she gave the Shadow Baby, mm-hmm. which was, it was, was semen magic. It wasn't blood magic. Okay. And I know that uh, Thoris of Mir, the guy who brought Beric Dondarrion back, did not have to burn anyone alive to do that. He sure. just prayed to his god and it happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting to... I'm I'm wondering if the show will establish that this has been a bunch of bullshit and tricks and it's going to crap out on them at the mo- worst yeah. narrative possible time. And then Stannis will realize he's been duped. And That's where I hope it's going. <laughs> yeah, but that like, results is that going to be least... fun to watch? No, but it results in it. Well, kind of. I mean, it's fun to watch Cersei in the dungeon, right? Sucking water off the ground because you hate her so much. I guess. I would love to see Melisandre. But even Cersei loves going her children. Up in flames. She's got good cheekbones and she loves her children. I mean, that's her claim to fame. Like, Stannis has lost all that stuff. Sure. But I'm talking about, like, if, he, if it doesn't work and he kills Melisandre, yeah, I want to see that. Yeah. No, but I mean, I, the good news is the Battle of Winterfell... Uh, it's going to be a, it, it's, it's no longer a Martin classic, uh, good versus evil, evil triumphs. Essentially, no matter who wins, we, we, or who loses, we win. Like a, 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 okay. Like he beat, he destroys the Boltons. All right. Fine. Boltons destroy him. I'm fine with that now too. But there's a zero stakes battle coming up now. <laughs> but also one of them wins, right? Yeah, sure. So the other side is one of the bad guys wins. You could, I mean, I'm at that point you're debating lesser two evils. I'm yes. just saying it's, I'm, it's that's equally what I'm as satisfying to see Stannis get his comeuppance as it is to see Roose Bolton and his get hit their comeuppance. Yeah, okay, I agree with that. Probably slightly more satisfying. I mean, that's the other thing is Jesus. We've kind of thought like, okay, well, maybe Sansa gets liberated by Stannis. Stannis liberates Winterfell. You know, Stanza has the blood of king, the, the, the Stark kings of old. 300 years ago, they were legit kings of the north mm-hmm. until the, the Targaryens came and made them all kneel. Uh, is, is, is Sansa going to, you know? Yeah. I mean, if it works, it works. You when, know? when they have to cross, cross the Riverlands at the Twins and, you know, Frey's being obstinate, is he going to be like, trot out the Stark girl? Like, there's just no... No, no yeah, save and, and save your left. Sure, and I, well, it could be the little fingers of savior, right? Little finger oh. comes riding in and saves Sansa. I mean, they're set up kind of for that. Sure, maybe Mary Tran will save the day it. too. I mean, we're we're putting our faith in in dude. No, they they've, they've established that though. They've established like little fingers saying, you know, I can go in and mop up the rest of this. Yeah, sure. Uh, after the fact, he might be able to come in and save her. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm having we, a hard time getting excited about either of those possibilities. Yeah, I I understand. <laughs> Uh, we go over to to Dorne, and Doran is telling Jamie that uh, he's going to send Tristan and Marcella back to King's Landing, and they also agree to release Bronn on one condition. Uh, this is a, you know, this is the beginning of I guess um, Doran putting what is her name, Ilaria, like yeah. kind of in her place again. Uh-huh. You know, like saying your rebellion's over. He does that later on, but. Here you can see that it's it's clear she's the one who sent that necklace, yeah. And he understands that, and he's gonna, you know, what kind of gloss over it for now, but later he'll get back to it. Yeah, I mean th- that was interesting because I thought the interesting possibility would be for Cersei to have planted that to sure just as an overreaction get Marcella back. Mm-hmm. 
I I man, I nine episodes in this Dorn plots has been horseshit. I just want to see more from it, right? Like I want to see Doran do more. Nothing that I've seen from it so far makes me want to see more of it. Except for that actor. Yes. <laughs> that I actor guess. is the thing that I want to see. And the guy playing Ar- I want to Ario, see him. his his kind of big uh axe wielding bodyguard yeah, yeah, he's is, cool. is cool too, but it's like I need them to start doing something. And and yeah. I guess there's the beginning of some emails are trying to piece together like maybe what his master plan is going to be, putting Tristane on the small council, getting Marcella in King's Landing. I I but this has been nine episodes of really rough slogging. And this slapping scene yeah. that we're about to talk about. I don't see the point of it, but yeah, let's go there. A couple of the Sand Snakes are playing some game where they're slapping hands. And then they come in and, and grab Braun and they take him to the throne room and he gets punched in the face. I think the Double D's thought that the Sand Snakes would be a hit on the scale of Oberon. That they would be like his big, over-the-top, colorful warrior daughters and we would all How love them. Though? And we would love to see... Like, I don't... I don't know that they understood why we liked Oberyn. I, I liked Oberyn because he was charismatic, kind of freewheeling. He had a righteous cause. Like those are kind of the things that I liked about Oberyn. And also, he was a badass. I've seen almost none of that from these Sand yeah. Snakes. No, Mm-mm. they're not charming. I mean, they don't. Maybe Tyene like... is a little charming, but in a weird kind of creepy sexual yeah. way. Yeah. Um. They haven't shown to be huge badasses like Oberyn. They've tried, but it's all been laughable. And part of that is like, I, man, I wonder if the water garden scene had been better. Like just in the staging and the setup and in the actual execution, if we would be like, oh, okay, yeah. Because I didn't, like there was some people that were turning on them just when they they showed their faces. Like, look at this fucking you know, glorious ladies of wrestling armor they're wearing and this cheesy <laughs> talk speeches they're given. And throw- I okay. actually thought that was all cool. Like, I'm fine with that. I didn't have a huge problem with it. Yeah. I turned on them when the water gardens thing went to shit. Mm. But and now it's I've like, just never really connected with them. You know, it's not like a moment where I said, yeah. fuck those those ladies. I, I don't want anything to do with them. It's more of just like they've never really excited me. Right. But this like I said, this slapping I so you were indifferent about the slapping scene because I've moved to outright scorn. Like I, this is I just two don't minutes of my point. life that yeah. could be spent better else in many different places in this episode. I mean, is the point to show that Tyene has like this violent lashing outside to her or like, she's kind of a loose cannon. What? Like, I don't care about any three, any of these three characters enough to want to even decide like, okay, what does this mean? The little one's got a little kid complex, but she's quick and wily and, She's yeah. been waiting for years to tag her sister back. Now she like this is the slaps giving episode of How I Met Your Mother. Okay, only I don't, don't care about any of the characters. See, there you go. That's exactly that. how I feel about the Sands. I don't get that reference, but I don't. Right. I that's what I'm saying. That's exactly how I feel about watching this episode. All right, maybe it has to do with uh, the small man and and large man stuff that comes later on. Well, I don't then know. Obara, the spear welding one should have gotten them bitch slapped them both. I agree. Then, <laughs> I agree. She's, I would like to see that anyway. <laughs> she's the bra. She's clearly the brawny one in this relationship. Yeah. So she should have got up and laid down the law. Indeed. Uh, Aria is doing her oyster thing and she's about to poison the thin man when she sees Marin Trent getting off a boat and she's compelled to stare and follow and gawk yeah. the whole time. Uh, while while Mace leads them around the city singing a song, which annoys both the guy from the Iron Bank and Marin Trant. Sure. 
which I was happy about. <laughs> Mace is so ridiculous, man. Yeah, I, my notes are, uh, <laughs> I keep on saying, like, Mance, I was like, Jesus, Mance is the worst. Nope, wrong. Marin Trant is the worst. Oh, fuck all that. Stannis is definitely the worst. Like, <laughs> Ma- Ma- <sighs> Mace yeah. would be the worst thing in any given episode, except for these guys are just hell-bent on, on having worst character of the year award uh, given to them. Because he's, I mean, Mace is just bad at he, what he's yeah. there to do. He's He's harmless, but he's inept, and he's annoying, and... Like I now like I didn't think I could think Cersei was stupider or less capable in statescraft. Yeah. Because I was giving her the benefit of the doubt. I thought she was sending him off to Bravos to die. Me too. Marin Trant was going to knife him and toss him overboard and mm-hmm. there'd be some kind of cover story. No, she really sent this guy to treat with the Iron Bankers and it's a disaster. I guess my my question would be, who else does she send? Does she send Pycelle? Kyber. Well, Kyber's... Does she send Kyber? Yeah. Like, these guys are all just as crazy in their own ways. Well, if she's going to recall Littlefinger for something, there you Littlefinger go. would yeah. be able to. But, you know, Mace oh, is going to come back and, like, good news, our interest rates are twice as high and we have half the time to repay him. <laughs> he said something about just not liking my face. Uh-huh. Yeah. I look like a Muppet version of a planetary governor from Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> I offered Direct him a, quote. a barrel of wine, and he, he, <laughs> and he said, said I've actually drink. been 15 years sober. Yeah. And it's like it just went down. He showed me there. his chip. God damn oh, it. Oh, God. It's, 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 it's a farce, man. All right. We'll talk about the Arya stuff, because I know you're dying to. Uh, not really. No, I with, think this with her is a, gawking. I think this is a terrible exactly. handling <laughs> of I mean. very good book material. Yeah. Uh, it's it's happening kind of like it goes down in the books. It's just not well executed, man. What was your feeling on Arya in the books? Because I get the feeling that they're almost trying to show us that she's not good at this yet. Was that the tone of it in the books, or was that were you kind of on board with Arya being a badass? Oh yeah, at this point. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And and really? she okay. she was she was young and she was brash and she was overconfident and she's kind of bratty. But she did pay attention to her craft, and there was a mm-hmm. much more – there's a lot more kind of Miyagiing happening with the, the Faceless Men where they were actually teaching her lessons and humility and how to and, – and, you know, the tension's always been – she knows what she's doing. Will she live up to that training when she's tested? Um, but this is just like you said. It's like uh, she just completely abandoned a mission with a drop jaw – and staggering around, staring at these guys, I don't know who I. That's doesn't work for me. Did it work? So no, you're you're sure? Yeah, it okay. didn't work for me either. Like it didn't even play. I was thinking like, well, maybe if you don't know how subtle and nuanced and and kind of epic this is in the books, this this would play okay. But on second watches, I'm just like, because you sometimes. I've had this happen before where I've just disappointed that it didn't happen like it happened in the books. Mm-hmm. But on the, the the subsequent watches, I was like, no, this is just really less interesting. Yeah, it just feels clunky. I, I don't I don't know that I like the way they did it. It might have been cool if they had done something where Arya was being a little more stealthy or just yeah. a little bit better at this and a little bit handled the situation better. She, well, and just, she the just setup falls apart. of making Marin Trant be this giant pedophile felt kind of clumsy too. Um, I, do I don't mean? know that I needed five minutes of him saying too old too. I mean, I feel yeah. like, you know, Sir Chris, well, it didn't of house, help that they started Sir, with Elena, Sir Chris of house <laughs> Hanson needed to bust in their, their house words, uh, have a seat over there. 
Um, I, it, it, I don't know. I mean, so it's blindingly obvious what's going to happen now, right? I think so. Arya is going to try to sneak her way in he as a whore. A, he needs a fresh one for tomorrow because apparently pretty young. he has to pound underage pussy every day or he sh- his he, dick falls off. Yeah, he melts like the Wicked Witch. I uh, not it's yeah it's not not great and then just the visual of <laughs> a raw shellfish merchant going around in a whorehouse with a plate of oysters just it it reminded me of like the people at the the baseball games uh-huh. who have like the popcorn and the peanuts and stuff when when, when you want to sell I mean things I want sold at a whorehouse. Mm-hmm. Our things are individually packaged. I can verify. <laughs> well, oysters kind of are, right? They come in shells. They, but they... She cracks them open right in front of you. It's not like she's... The problem is they look like jizz in a shell. How am I All supposed right. to verify that there have not been jizzed on? I mean... <laughs> she cracked... I don't know what more you want. If they're in the shell, I don't I don't know how you could get the jizz in there. Uh, and then, the, you know, it's like the other thing is... Like, even this wasn't too on the nose for them. They had to throw in an, uh, two random dudes propositioning her for her for her clam that she oh, yeah, yeah. that she handed. She didn't handle at all. She just kind of like, wow, I can't believe that happened. Like, you were just menaced on the streets of Bravos like a week ago. Yeah. Like, I kind of wanted to kill. <laughs> I kind of wanted her to be like, I feel like this character is a lot more uh, has a lot more gumption to her and the way she's yeah. the way she played it in this episode it was very flat and single-minded and I, I i didn't think it was very interesting i mean isn't that kind of who the faceless men are turning her into though the single-minded flat i mean that's what jackin is right you think jackin is not interesting no but he he wouldn't be phased by someone coming up and asking for his clam i know that wouldn't happen but i don't think he would just stare at them i think he would have like he would some probably kind just of... walk on i don't you don't think he would be like uh, a man thinks you should back the fuck off during a mission? I don't. know. And if they kept know. hassling him, I think they'd end up with their uh, their 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 pillar and stones cut off and shoved down their throat. Maybe. And I think I... Arya is starting to be capable. Like the, here, here's where I want Arya to be in this development. I want Arya to where I just think she can handle the average dude on the street. Like sure. there is no question in my mind that she would just fuck them up. I want her there too, but I don't. I don't know that she is there yet. Like she hasn't learned enough about the actual art of fighting. I right? agree, but we've had nine episodes in this goddamn yeah. season, and I'm surprised we're not there. And since she's and, learning other lessons at the moment, and, and the other thing is, like, if they're taking their time, it's it's weird that like they're dragging their feet about some things, but they're also really quickly advancing beyond the books on others. And I just don't get it. Like, if you're going to take your mm-hmm. time to tell Arya's story, then take your time to tell her story. I, I don't know. It feels bo- both slow and rushed at the same time. Okay. Weird. Anyway, so Trent and his men uh, head into a whorehouse, and Arya follows him inside, and we watch him search for the youngest whore in Bravos, and then Trent asks for a fresh one tomorrow, and Arya is shooed out of the place. And then she goes back to Jack and tells him the thin man wasn't hungry, and then he doesn't look like he believes her, I, in my opinion. There's people wanted us to debate that in the email, and I don't think there's a debate to be had. This is a man yeah. who can tell when she's lying about going down the left or right alley, and whether or not she hated the hound. Like, no, he knows. It's pretty and, obvious. So I think he knows. Th- this is actually the most interesting thing about this development: the fact that he knows she's gone off script, yeah, and is just kind of letting it happen. And to what end? I'm kind of fascinated by that aspect of it. 
Yeah, me too. I he's definitely far more interesting. Than but I also think that point. Arya was uh, a pretty piss poor liar about it too. It had been again if if it's a shame because if the stuff that came before it was handled better, I think that would be really super interesting. It's already right, it's interesting enough just in isolation. But if there was a little bit more intrigue, if there's a little bit more subtlety into way she just you know jumped jumped off page, I I, I, I think it would have yeah. worked better. I mean, all. All of my problems with that storyline really come down to this episode. You know, the, everything else before it, I've kind of been on board with. It's been a little confusing, and there's yeah. been a lot of, like, the man can't tell the girl all of this stuff, uh-huh. and um, a little run around there, but I think it's been going to a place that they really just didn't get to this episode, and I hope they get to... I, I hope they deal with the fact that Jack and knows next episode, because yeah. if they don't, and they wait the whole season, I'm going to be kind of rolling my eyes just going oh god i gotta wait yeah another season to see this yeah i don't know i mean maybe they're hoping to build because i don't know what i don't know what kind of you know every season of game of thrones you, it follows like a kick in the crotch and then kind of hope for the future is mm-hmm. is episode 10 so you don't just like rage quit the show yeah. and i'm starting to think it's like you know what like if she kills Marin Trant yeah. in some kind of epic fashion with the Stark theme playing, is that going to be enough to kind of rinse the Shireen taste out of our mouth? Um, uh, what what good, is good is question. Stannis like vanquishing the Boltons on the field of battle? I that I, I feel like that would have worked, except for he just you know yeah the I can't taste of Shireen anymore. Yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I really hope she kills Trant next episode because if she doesn't, then yeah, there's not much hope at the end of that. Okay. I don't know. They got to throw us a bone somewhere. Just yeah. wonder where it's going to be. That could be cool. Uh, so then we get Doran telling Alaria that she can swear her allegiance or she can die. And she kneels down and kisses his ring. Um, it, man, this scene, these moments with Doran are why I want to see more of this guy. Sure. The look on his face and his line, like, I believe in second chances. I don't believe in third chances. Yeah he's got to be so good. They're just not doing anything with him. I know, and he's Oberyn's brother. We expect him to be more than he seems, and why are they not getting to that part? I don't know, man, but I'm really rooting for it. I want to see it. Uh, Then we go to Alaria letting Jamie know that she doesn't disapprove of him and that Cersei, uh, or of him and Cersei's relationship, you know, he's just kind of a victim of the times, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then she tells him that she knows his daughter didn't have a part in killing Oberyn, and maybe he didn't either. But you know what? No one had a part in killing Oberyn, but Oberyn, Oberyn himself. The mountain. If you want to be mad at someone, be bad at the mountain. He volunteered for this as a way to humiliate the Lannisters, and it blew up in his face. Yeah. Because of his own cocksuredness. Mm-hmm. Kind of, he lived as he died. I really don't get this put-upon angle by her. No, I feel like she's just angry. Like, we're supposed to read this yeah. as she is just angry that her lover died, and that's it. End of story. I'm going to get back at somebody, whether they deserve it or not. But, I mean, I uh, I don't know. The the way they're manifesting that just seems, I, I don't know. Like, it's hard for me they to... Haven't, bo- you know what the problem is? They haven't had a character tell her that. Well, that I mean, no one had anything to do with this. This is just you making a mountain out of a molehill. But didn't, I mean, do you think uh, Oberyn, like, he volunteered for this. This is all, like, above the board. You don't I think know. he shared his plot, his plan with her? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Okay. After the fact, like, she gets all angry and wants revenge uh-huh. on someone. She doesn't know where to turn, so she yeah. kind of takes revenge on everyone. Uh-huh. 
no one has told her that. Like, Doran should be the one telling her, look, no one made over and do this. It's his own fault. But here's, okay. No one's, no one else is at fault for this. I, I wish guess, they would just say it. I guess my, my read on the situation is the woman that Oberyn would decide to take for his lifelong paramour. Uh-huh is some kind of woman a very you, impressive you would woman. think so yeah i kind of want her to be more on the doran script like maybe you leave the sand snakes to be the young impetuous wanting just because they weren't there they didn't know how it went down but i i kind of expect her to be more rathacon uh just or you know revenge is a dish mm. best serve cold more intelligent more calculating more like what are we going to do not like demanding things let's cut off little girl's fingers and stuff like i it feels yeah. like my impression of her character was more interesting and more of a person that Oberyn would be captivated by than the reality I'm seeing in this season. Okay. I, I can get behind that. It seems like they both are similarly uh, lustful for revenge and, you know, in the bedroom and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, Oberyn had a way of getting what he wanted that yeah. didn't involve everyone else knowing right immediately <laughs> and he picked the spots like yes he can bully yeah. lannister soldiers because they can't do anything against him and he can kill them all if he, if he had to anyway but he didn't like bust into king's landing going right up to uh lord tywin and be like you killed my sister prepare to die yeah you know he he waited and picked the spot and picked his moment there's no real subtlety here no there isn't you're right so we're sponsored this week by Squarespace, which is uh, a website that allows you to build websites very easily without any prior knowledge. Uh, as you guys know, Aaron and I were both web developers in a previous life, and uh, we have a lot of experience with this, and I, I tested out Squarespace product, and I think it makes the whole process super easy. You go in, you literally, you, you click on what you want your site to look like, you answer a couple of questions, and boom, you've got a site. So Sir Davos... Uh, okay, he, he's he's in the market for a new career now. He's he's kind of been yeah. He's, he's got some dissatisfaction with his current employer. Uh, he's 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 wanting to get out of the Onion Night game. The whole the whole onion smuggling business is is uh, seen better days. It's behind him. Uh-huh. Want to start a cottage industry selling finely crafted uh, 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 wooden figurines. Some okay. one, one arm whittler dot com is what he wants to start. What would you What would you say to Sir Davos? Uh, I would say Sir Davos, you can go to squarespace dot com. Uh, you can sign up with the offer code GOT and get. Eight, uh, it's a website for $8 a month. Eight pieces of silver a month, Davos. So eight cheap. silver stags? Wow. I think that's cheap in the Game of Thrones world. I have no <laughs> idea, but it's cheap in the real world for eight bucks. Uh, and, if and you what? can sell one product on that website, and if you want to sell stags, let it be stags. Uh, if maybe you're a little dissatisfied with the way things went down this week, you can start selling... Direwolves? D- d- yeah. Dragon brooches? Sure, yeah. You can make Danny's necklace, sell that. What if... The fingers on one hand are much shorter than the others. Is that a hindrance at all to using? No, because, I, I mean, really, even if you're a hunt and pecker, you're, yeah. you're just using one finger to type, you can do it pretty quickly still. I mean, it might take, you know, two minutes instead of 30 seconds. Uh, but, you know, most of it's done with the mouse. You just click on what you like. Sir Davos might take offense at being called a pecker. Well, I don't think he truly understands what I meant then. <laughs> He's not as smart as I thought he was. And now that he can read, he can easily. Do you have to be smart to use Squarespace? Uh, I suppose that's not a requirement. No. It's uh, that easy. It, actually, there's a lot of things you don't need to use Squarespace. A credit card is one. You can sign up for this free trial without a credit card. That's good because yeah. he's just got the stags. I uh, know. Wooden yeah. and silver. Either way, <laughs> not credit cards. 
Definitely. Uh, so yeah, go to uh, squarespace.com. Use the offer code GOT when you make your first purchase to get 10% off of the already low price. Uh, you don't even need a, a credit card, like I said, to start that 14-day free trial. Uh, go check it out. So Stannis visits Shireen. Uh, he tells her he must fulfill his destiny. She asks if she can help, and he burns her alive. <laughs> or he lets Melisandre burn her alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe the Dance of the Dragons being a disaster. Uh, you know, that mm-hmm. everyone's saying like, oh, well, that sounds like a shit story with a bunch of stupid stuff happening. Yeah. And this episode's called Dance of Dragons. Maybe that's like them having fun with the concept that this is a total shit show and it's all intentional. And you shouldn't choose sides. I don't man, I don't know. Like, that's kind of a, a meta analysis I'm trying to get behind that this mm-hmm. some of this stuff is intentionally bad and we're supposed to hate it and think it's stupid to set up something brilliant later on. I hope. I hope. Yeah. Yeah, it would be nice um, if they at least knew the effect this was going to have on the audience. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I get the impression that they're aware that maybe, like, they understand, yeah, when we do this, people are going to flip their fucking lids. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, they also seem very calm and cold about it. Like, mm-hmm. when you watch the behind-the-scenes stuff, you're like, uh, Stannis, you know, Stannis is a guy who doesn't break his promises, who who doesn't change his mind. Uh, when he commits to a thing, he does it. Sure. And that's like all they say about it. You know, they don't say like this, <laughs> this was extremely heartbreaking or yeah. like all, all this emotional stuff that goes on with a father burning his daughter. Yeah. It's all about the mechanics. Of yeah. It. It's like, why did Stannis do this? What, what was going through his head? Like, yeah, not like, what is this going to do to our trauma? Already traumatized audience. Sure. Well, I mean, there's only so much you can worry about that. You just if, if the story calls for more trauma at this point in time, then you got to you got to lay it on and they either hang with it or they don't. But yeah, my problem is and reason and I want to say to reasonable people can disagree about this. Um, I don't think like surely there's not a person that said I, I love the sand snake slapping scene. It's the greatest thing ever. I think that's just pretty much universally seen as terrible. But I think reasonable people can disagree about whether this is a fundamental a fundamental destruction or or deviation from Stannis's character. My okay. my gut take is the yes it is and I'm kind of angry about it. But I don't know that I know that much about Stannis and you know I don't know what he does in the next book. So it could be that this is George plans plan uh, all along and a lot of a lot of the Westerosi like savior myths about the prince that was promised and Azor Ahai like the original Azor Ahai um murdered his wife in the making of the Lightbringer sword. That was like the key, like one of the key elements. Okay. So there's kind of this with, with, with great events, you have to do great sacrifice, kind of the same thing that his mm-hmm. daughter is about to say before he gets a blade stuck in his, his chest. Yeah. But it could be thematically. We'll see that this is a piece of Stannis, that this is, you know, and they threw in the whole like you're my you're my daughter, the princess of Baratheon, and and I love you. They threw that in just to make the stakes really really high, and and to make the betrayal that much amped up. But it's in Stannis's character to do whatever he needs to do to save the realm. But my take on Stannis was, uh, I don't know that that he was he never wanted to be king. He is he, he he's got a re- very regimented view of how he sees the rules and justice in the world. And he's got the best claim and everybody mm-hmm. else is fucking idiots. And they are. And that he has to do this to save the, the people. That's weird because it feels to me like it maybe the, the 
idea of being king has gone to his head, but it felt like well, he, like he was doing it out of some sort of destiny fulfillment thing because he basically says that. And it could be also that Melisandre is doing all this. This is kind of like yeah. uh, King Theon from Lord of the Rings situation where he's being ensorcelled and doing stuff out... Uh, uh, he, he's he's doing stuff. Uh, you know how that uh, Saruman possessed the one king and made him all old and gray, and then Gandalf came and smacked him in the head of the staff, and he became young again. Okay, yeah. that kind of situation. And I wonder, like, if he'll at a later date, like Melisandre will die, and he'll come to and just like, mm-hmm. you know, be suicidal or something. Um, yeah, a couple of seasons ago, I was I was thinking like when he was threatening to kill uh, Davos. Yeah, I, I was I was kind of thinking, man, this doesn't feel like his character you know it feels strange like he's being manipulated and controlled by melisandre and that's kind of when i started hating her yeah uh but yeah i i don't know i mean that doesn't excuse his actions i don't think well i mean like so this is the guy who survived the siege of storm's end which that's how you know davos the onion knight made his bones he sailed in with the last minute shipment of onions and that because stannis was eating horses he ate rats they ate uh, uh belt leather the man would rather die then 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 give up in the face of adversity and a snowstorm shows up and his supplies get burnt and he just jumps to burning his daughter like that's the other thing is i guess i needed but he's not giving up right no he's not he's giving just up. resorting I'm... to you know the last the equivalent resort. the the family equivalent of eating rats <laughs> like this is all we've got left let's go for it i don't think they did a very good job of showing the desperation like one pain over a completely night shivering in the cold yep. was and he like you can even see it in the men's faces when they go to burn him like they're not really on board with this no no and you uh, stannis is already an unlikable guy how is he going to effectively lead anyone after this yeah like, i mean i guess that's what makes it extra intolerable for me is that you don't see that desperation like so a couple of tents burned you know yeah. like you never showed me the stakes really yeah would that be interesting? Would that be interesting that um, you know, let's say this burning does do something miraculous and they're victorious over the Boltons, and then mm-hmm. his men, like they've appointed some leader amongst themselves, uh, they stab him in the back and and cut. Because hmm. here's I, the thing is, is I, I would have felt more consistent with Stannis's character if. They go to start doing this, or maybe Melisandre doesn't, he has since, but at the moment at, you know, this is a guy who wasn't even all that pissed when Jon Snow killed Mance as a way of mercy. Yeah. I, I thought he was going to pull, you know, that Salise was going to be all for it. He's going to pull Shireen down and put Salise up there, and it gets rid of one loathsome character. It's still kind of problematic because he's burning this girl's mother in front of her. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, just to that. go this full blown on and Salise, the crazy, creepy, deformed fetus lady is the one who's pleading for mercy at the end. It just felt like a real switcheroo to me. And and people yeah. said, well, it was obvious that he was going to do this. I think, yes, they were obviously foreshadowing it. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that they were then going to not do the obvious thing. And that's why I guess it my my gut feels really punched because I was really. Yeah. You know, it's a classic Braveheart. Here's the guys. They've infiltrated the castle wall. They're watching this go down. They're going to stop it. They're going to, the fuck, they're not stopping it. I mean, I agree with you. I was I was thinking the entire time, okay, Stannis, change your mind here. Step in. Do the right thing. Uh, the fact that he never did, I mean, it, it just reinforces the idea of what show you're watching, right? Yeah. Like, this is a show with the Red Wedding. This is a show with Ned being killed. This is like... 
all all the things where in television you would normally see the turnaround and the last minute save you're not going to see here yeah so I, uh, I, I don't know it's still it's damn near impossible to watch it's yeah brutal. this, this uh, carrie ingram who plays princess shireen is pretty fr- amazing uh in her scenes yeah. with davos and her father and then actually being burned at the stake yeah um yeah i don't know i don't know there's anything more to say like my i right now i've seen persuasive arguments that this is all thematically consistent and consistent with his characters and i'm saying they're they're wrong i'm just and and we're going to read kind of like both sides of that issue and the feedback but Mm. my personal gut says i see your intellectual arguments but my my gut is saying that they're bullshit of course so of course (laughs) i don't you'd, you'd have to be heartless not for that not to be the case uh, th- there is one good thing that comes of Shireen burning, for sure. Which is is that Davos doesn't have to find the vendor he bought that statue from, because uh, he doesn't have to give her the second one. Uh, okay, I got right. a surprising email for you. Okay, <laughs> uh, the great games begin. Dario and Hisdar argue about whether the small man or the larger man will win. The large man wins. Jorah comes out. Uh, he wins a royal rumble, and then the sons of the harpy attack, and they surround Danny. Hisdar is killed. Dario, Jorah, and Tyrion, um, and the Unsullied, you know, to some degree, are protecting Danny and Missandei. And then everything looks hopeless, and Drogon swoops in, and she rides him off into the sunset. There's a couple things on here that I really liked. Uh, I really liked the Dario just laying it on thick. And then, yeah, like, only like, to have the w- small man get killed. And, well, and just, but literally cock blocking Hisdar. Okay, like wedging his, his body between, in uh-huh. between, you know, Danny and him and just showing him up. And even Danny, like, starting to make fun and emasculating his dar. Uh, I thought that was interesting. And I thought that's like, man, it's going to be really cool, like, to see them, you know, because obviously I knew the Drogon sweeps and takes Danny away. And I'm like, and then okay. you're left with these guys. And what do they do? And I'm like, ooh, it's going to be really interesting to see, like, these two powerful men, uh, like, duke it out in this small council. Uh, you know what, what, what's mm-hmm. what's their relationship going to be like? And then they killed his dar. Yep. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I also thought yeah. they did a really good job. Like, I was really amazed. Like, you know, because this is kind of a debate in the books. It doesn't go down like this. But like, who is the person behind the Sons of Harpies? Is essentially the question. Who mm-hmm. is engineering this 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 debacle? Yeah. And some people say it's his dar. Some people say this other guy. But it's kind of like very intentionally ambiguous. Okay. Uh, so I was like, "Wow, uh, Hisdar slinking in and bid him's like, I had to make some final preparations, pass out some gold masks, exactly, get some swords yeah. going." I'm like, "This is really heavy handed." And then they killed him, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, definitely is, not Hisdar. Is he like a patsy? Is he? Is he a martyr? Is he? Was, was he a useful idiot that they they used to to get to this situation? But then, how did the sons of harpies know that they were she was going to propose marriage and be at her her side the whole time? He was in prison. Like it's yeah. Really hard for me to comprehend the Sons of Harpies plot. Also, the other thing that was interesting is that the Sons of Harpies seem to like they're from all walks of marine life. Although, because mm. they're dressed, some of them are dressed as like kind of the the commoner, the former slave attire. Some of them are dressed like the wise masters. But mm. they almost exclusively killed wise masters in the crowd. And unsullied. I, um, I'm... Hmm. I like, I'm not certain about that. I saw like, a bunch of them pushing past the common people, but I didn't. I don't think I saw a single person die on screen, and I was looking for there's it. There's a shitload of them dead, though. Um, if you look around the the Coliseum as 
like Drogon's doing his thing, uh-huh. you can just see body after body of the the former slaves. Really? I mean, it, it, I think what happened is a lot of the former masters are sitting behind Danny. Like they're clust- they're kind of oh, clustered. So they're and so like yeah, they do push past her, but I think they're going after Danny when they're doing that. They're in the box seats. They're in the the corporate. Suites. Exactly. I I think that's what it is. And then if you look out at kind of the rest of the Coliseum, you see okay. a lot of dead uh, former slaves. I thought the reveal of the Sons of Harpies was really cool. It was very creepy. It was. Like the, those yeah. masks are are worth their weight in gold. It makes you kind of double take. Like, did I just see a Sons of the? Har- oh, I did. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. It's about to go down. <laughs> Uh, I thought that was really cool. I I, yeah. I thought it was interesting to see Danny kind of like looking around and wondering what the hell am I doing here? Like I I'm trying to prevent this crazy lifestyle and everyone, both the masters and the former slaves are like so into it. Yeah. I, and she's she's still playing along, though. And, you know, Tyrion debating his dar. That stuff was all good. I thought Jorah or uh, I thought Jorah and um Dario both came off really well. Yeah, I thought I like Jorah's uh, throwing the spear. Like, because I, I genuinely mm-hmm. thought it's like, oh man, he's really gone like the bitter estranged lover route. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought no, so too. <laughs> but no, uh, that that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Everything on the ground looks badass. I mean, this Coliseum looks fucking amazing. Yeah, I mean, obviously I was they ask didn't you, film this in a Coliseum, so like I was going to ask you, are you finally happy now that you got to the big leagues? It's not the the bush league. Oh tournament? yeah, okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what I've been waiting for. Yeah. They do that overhead shot of it, and I was like, yes. Yes. I have to bite games. my tongue so hard sometimes in this podcast. We're going on and on about the <laughs> shitty, shitty little bush stadium. I'm like, Backyard okay, wrestling all setup. Right. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm trying to figure. So if you're saying that they killed a bunch of slaves, and I don't know. Um, like, why? Why would a... I, I, I could see this being a slave revolt targeting the wise masters. And also, I thought that was interesting because, you know, we talked about the smirking whore from the earlier part where she was always kind of behind the scenes uh, involved in in betraying the Unsullied and things like that. Yeah. And I was like, maybe this is a popular uprising and maybe the smirking whore was even the sister of the former slave that was on Danny's advisory council that she offed. Mm -hmm. And this is like this hissing was like they've really turned against Danny. They don't think Danny's gone too far. They're going to just throw all the old masters away. They're going to do away with Danny, and then they're going to rule their own damn selves or something. Uh, that's is I. But you're saying that the slaves being killed doesn't really jive with that. Yeah, it's very confusing. I'm not sure who these people are, um, but I think it's supposed to be confusing. Yeah, like, I, I mean, it's not like I should be getting this, and I'm not. It's just that. We're not supposed to know yet. No, I mean, on second viewing, I thought the exact same way I felt when I got done reading the books. Like, what the fuck just happened? Who are the Sons of Heart? This is yeah. This doesn't really add. Not all the pieces fit together, and it is kind of a whodunit mystery, and, and I guess you're right. We're not supposed to know. Can we talk about the Unsullied? Okay. Their pathetic stance against the Sons so of Heart. So I defended them when they were fighting in narrow. <laughs> I, this, is, this is a fucking arena. Uh-huh. Form up. Mm-hmm. Locks. S- s- shields like you're Mm -hmm. supposedly supposed to do and protect your damn queen Uh uh-huh like this should be this should be an e like i get like maybe you can get overwhelmed by force but they're not even trying man they're too spread out in that circle you're talking about yeah yeah they should be in phalanx position yes phalanx position whatever yes maybe it's not a big one but yes they should they (laughs) should form up and lock shields and use their 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 spears (laughs) to keep the guys at bay like yeah I don't fucking get it. Like, why are they? Ma- why are they betraying the 
Unsullied. I don't know, man. Like it, it's always surprised me how ineffective the Unsullied have been right. for the reputation. Well, I mean, in the books, I'm always thinking like, man, if Danny ever gets across a narrow, the narrow sea, these Unsullied are going to fuck up Westerosi mounted cavalry. Yeah. They're like the classic foil for him. But if they're just standing around twirling their spears, like, you know, with 10 feet between the two them all, it's like, this is going to be a shit show. They're going to be broken and driven. Yeah. Is this supposed I, to be a commentary it, on how kind of like undisciplined they are under Danny? That they're starting to, you know, whore around. They just around forgot all their training. I, yeah. You know. And they're, they're getting soft. Like, like weak. I would think that would be kind of interesting because these guys were yeah. not warriors by choice. They're warriors by brainwashing. And if they start, you know uh coming up with ideas of individuality and like hey maybe i want to sing or i want to dance or i want to make pottery or i want to do anything but stick this pointy end into another dude uh yeah i don't know they need a scene to show us that though right well like i think the the stuff with the whores starts to show us that a little bit yeah but you gotta have a scene where like you know a couple of unsullied become uh gladiators or whatever and get their asses kicked because they haven't been practicing huh. and they need to be like uh you know gray worm needs to look at that and be like oh yeah those guys weren't those guys weren't practicing for the last month maybe need us. to see a couple dessert i i, I don't know yeah. but may, and maybe the gray worm miss andy is supposed to suggest that that they're starting to think about things other than killing and dying for their queen they just haven't drawn a direct enough connection if that's what they're trying to do. But my fear is it's just really, really lazy choreography. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm because, always kind of worried about Because that. the Jorah and, and, and Dario stuff wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great either. Like, you compare yeah. this to Hard Home. Like, Hard Home was, you felt stakes. And I know the zombies yeah. were moving quickly, but that's the other thing is, like, all the action was very lethargic. Like the Unsullied's like, defend your queen. They're kind of like kind of shuffling over there and they're kind of moving this way, kind of. No one's really running at a full. There wasn't anything that was really driving the action from a choreography standpoint. I'm with you. Like my heart was in my throat last week. This week I was just like, you know, part of that is I knew it was going to happen. But part of it is also it just wasn't very cool. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, in my opinion, Drogon flies in and saves both the day for Danny and the scene. Uh, for me. So are you thinking that Drogon was telepathically or empathically summoned by Danny? I was the first time I saw it. Uh, after listening to the behind the scenes thing, no. Okay. It's clear that Danny is, uh, they say this, that she's resigned herself to death, and that's why she closes her eyes, and she is just as surprised as anybody to see Drogon show up. But I also watched the same thing, and they hinted that, like, that there is some kind of connection, and he knows when she's in danger, which that's what I meant, like, not telepathic. Like literally Aquaman. Yeah. I'm talking about more empathetic, okay. like a like a beta he's a beta Z dragon. He can sense emotions. That's fine. Yeah, I don't have a huge problem with that. I just I thought she literally called him in. Like yeah. Yo Drogon, shit's broken bad here. Come help me. See uh, the first time. Cause I you know, there again, I think it was more subtle and interesting in the books that they heavily implied that Drogon didn't give a shit about Danny. He was there because he smelled a bunch of blood. He just wanted to kick some ass. Yeah, he's he's there's a mil- there's like all this blood being spilled and sounds of really? battle, and the dragon's like, "Fuck yeah, I'm going to feast." And when he gets there, he's just like, you know, eating, and then it's like, you know, this little girl is like trying to get his attention. He's like, "Who does you know what what the hell's going on with this?" And she kind of has huh. to beat him into submission a little bit. It's a much more active thing. Yeah, I didn't feel like that at all in this 
episode. And, you know, here it's like she just gen- like, and that's the other thing, like wasn't very dynamic. Uh, everything up to Drogon getting rode was really awesome. Like when he was tearing through the yeah. uh, everybody because he was like unsullied were getting set on fire. He didn't give a fuck. It's like if yeah. you were standing upright, you were going to get burnt. That was amazing. And, they and it did looked phenomenal. Excellent job. And I actually thought that it was cool that they showed that he was still kind of vulnerable at this age yeah. of, that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's the other thing I'm going to get because a lot of people are asking me. It's like, I thought dragons are supposed to be this impressive thing. Look at the dragon skull that Ario climbed inside in season one. That thing's the size of a station wagon. Yeah. That is a Targaryen battle dragon. This is a, a young pup still. Yep. Um, but yeah, she climbs up that like a toddler at a playground trying to get on a monkey bars for the first time. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with that. But like I expected okay. Miss Sandy to be like, oh, look how big you are. Be careful, sweet. You're so hot. It's, I, no. She, she's climbing on a dragon for the first time in her life. The dragon's moving around. It's, it's Dude, in danger been... and it's injured and like, how should, you would have trouble climbing on that fucking dragon. I'm not the mother of fucking dragons. I haven't been dreaming about this for years. But you're years. saying that he's there pissed off and wanting to kill things, that, not that, that he's there to save her. That's she, what I'm saying. Danny comes across as a much more impressive and awesome individual. Okay. Much more in command of the right. situation. And yeah. It's, it's, it's a much more uneasy relationship between her and the beast. And it's less of this, oh, dragon feels in my heart that, I, uh, uh, that I'm in trouble and he's going to come swoop me down, swoop, swoop down and save me. Sure. I, I realize I'm coming across as a book purist dick. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stop right now because clearly you were impressed by it. And I think that's, you know, there's much more you guys than there are of us. And the hell, I don't even know if I, my opinion of this being kind of disappointed is universal. So I'm going to stop my bitching. Okay. But it, it played, this whole episode played really, pretty fat, flat for me. Well, that's where we're going to leave the episode. That's the end. This podcast is sponsored by Audible, as it has been throughout a lot of this season. And uh, I, I really like the Audible product. It's it's a place where you can go and get audio versions of your favorite books. They have over 180,000 audio titles to begin with. And you can get a free 30-day trial by going to audiblepodcast.com slash GOT. That's an affiliate link exclusively for Bald Move fans. You can get a free audiobook Now, uh, if you're just joining us, you'll know that I've been uh, talking this up all season. And one of the big reasons is because they have every one of George Martin's books and the Song of Ice and Fire series completely unabridged. And I think that there's, uh, you know, there's two types of Game of Thrones fans. There's the types that have read the books and there's the types that will. And a great way to read these books are... Uh, what about the types that won't? That, they don't exist. I'm not a real Game of Thrones <laughs> uh, fan, Jim. Hmm, okay. Don't, don't indict yourself. Don't indict yourself. Just just let that hang in the air. Hmm. Uh, but I think uh, it's, it's, it's a great way to experience it because uh, I like to read, uh, but a lot of times I'm too busy. So I get the best of both worlds with, with my Kindle device. And by the way, if you've got a tablet or if you've got any cell phone, you've got a Kindle device. Because when you're reading, uh, all these books are WhisperSync enabled. So when you're reading on your Kindle, wherever you leave off, you take your cell phone, you plug it into your car, you go onto the Audible app, it will start reading exactly where you left off. And you just kind of chain that stuff together into an endless cycle of reading. Uh, the Audible people were graciously allowed us to use snippets of the books to kind of uh, market for them. And I'm going to play the climactic part of uh, Dance with Dragons uh, where Drogon comes out of the sky and uh, rescues Danny. And it goes down a little bit different in the books. I thought that was interesting. 
in the smouldering red pits of Drogon's eyes, Danny saw her own reflection. How small she looked, how weak and frail and scared. I cannot let him see my fear. She scrambled in the sand, pushing against the pitmaster's corpse, and her fingers brushed against the handle of his whip. Touching it made her feel braver. The leather was warm, alive. Drogon roared again, the sound so loud that she almost dropped the whip. His teeth snapped at her. Danny hit him. No! she screamed, swinging the lash with all the strength that she had in her. The dragon jerked his head back. No! she screamed again. No! The barbs raked along his snout. Drogon rose, his wings covering her in shadow. Danny swung the lash at his scaled belly, back and forth, until her arm began to ache. His long serpentine neck bent like an archer's bow. With a hiss, he spat black fire down at her. Danny darted underneath the flames, swinging the whip and shouting, No, 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 get down! His answered roar was full of fear and fury, full of pain. His wings beat once, twice, and folded. So there you go. It's it's more of a taming of Drogon in the books. And there's a lot of subtle differences that, uh, uh, you know, kind of give you a slightly different take on the characters, a little bit maybe of a deeper appreciation. Sometimes uh, it gives you a little bit more complicated, uh, epic feel, and I think this is one of those cases. So... Uh, the only way you can you can you can compare and contrast and find out for yourself is to actually read the books. And again, uh, Audible is a great service to do that. And you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash GOT, sign up, you get a 30-day free trial, and you can download one audiobook for free, such as Dance with Dragons, Feast for Crows, I, any of those things. Uh, I'd like to thank Audible for sponsoring us, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy your free trial. Why don't we get into some feedback? Uh, let's see, was there... Okay, sure. Matthew T. So we got a couple, uh, a little bit of old stuff that I want to consider first uh, from the previous episode. Matthew T. said, Stray Thought based on the episode 508 regular cast, going from the idea that there was some ancient agreement with the White Walkers. He's theorizing on my theories. Perhaps that agreement had to do with give us X number of kids ever so often. Could it be that's why the Night's Watch vows include that they wouldn't have any kids? He puts forth the scenario of the first men and northerners or the Night's Watch precursor humans realizing that the kids they're giving away were just adding strength to the White Walkers, and or they just got more and more skeeved at the thought of giving up the kids or, or, or both. Thus, their attorneys found a loophole, and they decided that they would make a condition of being on the Night's Watch. Okay. Have no kids. Do you like that? Uh, It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea if any of this is even close to Me true. Either. But it, sure, that jives with the theory. Okay. Uh, Tom H. said, after listening to your podcast, I wanted to add to the conversation about the children at Swarm Carsey. When she was in the conference with the elders and Jon Snow, she said the crows killed her brothers and sisters. Surely these were the whites that attacked her. It seemed like a logical story progression that these were her ex-siblings and friends. Mm -hmm. uh, I did not get that. And if that was the case, then I would expect them to do something a little bit more explicit. Like maybe she'd name her brothers and sisters, and she might silent. She might say one of their names as they rush to kill her. Yeah, but it's you know if, if you want to have that as your headcanon, I I I ain't mad at you. 
Sam H said, you almost got me shouting on my iPhone this morning with your discussion of ice spiders and what their inclusion might entail. We know that one major obstacle to the White Walkers invading the realms of men is a 700-foot-high ice wall. Well, what could ice spiders do that White Walkers can't? That is the question you asked and gave no answer to, but the answer is blindingly obvious. They can walk up fucking walls. How do Night's Watch deal with a hundred or even a thousand ice spiders climbing up the wall and attacking them? And the White Walkers riding ice spiders up the wall? Mm. Pretty cool. All right. My Minecraft yeah. experience would suggest that they would just put one X by one X blocks all along the top of the wall, yeah. you know, and that would just stop all that shit right away. But <laughs> <laughs> it'd be tough to do that with a 500 mile wall with like 75 dudes that are actually yeah. able to work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I still don't think that would stop them. <laughs> um, that's kind of exciting. The concept yeah. of like hundreds of these ice spiders with, with the white walkers run swarming over the walls. Although, why do just, you think that white walkers can ride ice spiders? Because they talked about them they that just, in the previous episode. They were talking about that in like in, in the wildling council. And they're like, ah, oh, that's a bunch sure, of bullshit. Sure, okay. And then the other's like, well, right. why don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're saying you know all the other legends are true. Why isn't that one true? That's that's a fair a fair a, okay. a fair question. I think. Yeah. All right. It sounds dangerous. I think it would be cool. Uh, on the news, and the other thing is like it just seems more and more that humanity's fucked. Like they're already fucked when there's just a bunch of undead fuckers. Now that you got like ice wall climbing spiders, that I might nope out at that point. <laughs> okay. Or just or, or just 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 like you know look away. Why the ice spiders are mauling people? Just go over to Essos, man. They can't cross the sea. <laughs> All right, on the new stuff. Uh, Ryan L said, "Wow, I actually have something to contribute." Twenty odd years ago, I cut off uh, two of my fingers. They were then reattached, but they don't work particularly well. But I also do wood wood, wood carving as a hobby. <laughs> oh, From my first hand, okay. no pun intended, experience. I think Davos is fine with his carving. Yeah. Another right. guy. Another guy said that, and I think this is true that. He cut off the fingers of his uh, non-dominant hand, I his lefty hand. I think so, yeah. So, yeah, he just needed, he just needed like right. a vice grip, and then he can just whittle with his good hand. I'm just thinking, like, woodworking today is very different than woodworking whenever this takes place. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you I got get you got saws and sure. all sorts of tools. But just whittling, I don't think whittling has changed in thousands of years. I since, agree. Since are we you, first started making flint. Yeah, are you, so this guy is a whittler? Or is he like? He says he's a wood a carpenter. Carving. He says like, wood carving. Wood carving. Me, that okay. implies all right, yeah. sitting on a porch in a wicker rocking chair uh-huh. with a pocket knife, making and a pipes, piece of pine or something. Yeah, or deer stags. All right, all right. That you Maybe can smoke from, so of course. Um, yes, there's a bowl in the back. Nick M says, "I believe I find the true meaning of the faceless men. Everybody in Essos knows that cockles is slang for black market boners." Assassinations are just a hobby for this sacred order. You really think they only save face uh, the faces of the dead they get? They've got the cock merchant market cornered, and they know it. The only thing Jack and worships is the dollar dollar bill, yo. All right, yeah. So they just need to go to Bravos and find a cock merchant. All right, they're everywhere. Put a little more humor in the mailbag to leaven out the 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 Shireen burnings. That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, All right, we're going to get to the uh, to to the, the main event. Uh, a couple people defending Stannis up for front. Gabriel H. says, Though it was tough seeing Shireen burn, part of me is glad that all the bandwagon fan is, Stannis fans have dispersed fantasies, mm-hmm. I would say. 
I've always felt that no one really liked Stannis until he saved the day at the wall. At that point, everybody hopped on the Stannis bandwagon, and the same people are now pissed that he sacrificed his daughter to the Lord of Light. Who exactly did they think Stannis was? Let's not forget that this is the same guy that killed his own brother and was totally about to kill his nephew. It's been made abundantly clear from the beginning that Stannis values duty above everything. His entire army and family, which includes Shireen, face certain death in the cold. With the Lord of Light's magic proven to be real on several occasions, the only way out was to sacrifice Shireen. The outrage that Stannis faces is ridiculous. The events of Season 5, Episode 9 completely fall in line with his story and his tragic character. He remains one of the most fascinating and underrated characters in the series. Jim, your thoughts? Uh, I mean, his only way out remark rings a little false to me. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying they didn't really show it to us. Like it's kind of like Bear. Grylls. Those stakes weren't established. Bear Grylls and his, you know, man versus wild. Do you really need to drink your own piss here, Bear? Do you really like like you just you just ran out of water three hours ago? You're down to drinking your piss. Maybe walk around for a couple hours or a day. See if you uh-huh. find some fresh water. Don't go right to drinking piss. Your food stores were destroyed last night. Yeah. Better burn my daughter. I don't know that it works that way. I don't think. Especially that... when you have hundreds and hundreds of pounds of horse meat, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, our food stores got destroyed, but we've got all these horses. Yeah. Now that we have Make to eat. Make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Maybe separating this by an episode or two and allowing the circumstances to be more desperate and having, like, Stannis having to be worn down by it. But, man, he just seemed like he jumped right through the daughter yeah. burning. I agree. And I mean, what is this? So I don't know what this is going to get him. Obviously they haven't shown us like how this is going to affect the battle. Um, what do you think the tangible, I don't, I don't know if you can say this or it's not in the books, right? We've already passed the books. That's accurate. The, the, okay. the so-called battle of Winterfell is yet to happen. So what would you guess would be the tangible result of this sacrifice and how is it going to help him? Like, how is it going to change the equation of there's a siege we can't win? What the fuck could that possibly get him? The storm abating so they can he can take the because I'm I'm guessing his forces are still more numerous than the Barathe, than the, the the Boltons. But I mean, he has shadow baby to go in and kill Bruce and Ramsey. But like, you could do that without burning your daughter. Yeah, I, I don't know why where they're Mel going with this. Sandra I'm really confused. so resistant to doing that at this point. I don't know. I'm I'm really confused by where this is going. Yeah. What, what he could possibly gain. What, like, I just don't know what he thinks he's gaining. Yeah. Because she hasn't promised anything, right? Other than, we'll win this. Promise and, me and, something tangible before I burn my fucking daughter. Well, I mean, I don't know that that's fair because she has done lots of tangible things. Now, again, you could argue they're But tell me what. Tell me what is going to happen before I take this huge step. Not just that something will happen something's going to change. I just don't, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was justified at this point. I don't think that's the relationship they built up with the Lord of the light. Like, I don't know, I know that I know. she explained in detail about how shadow babies are formed. See my Lord, sure. you put the penis in the vagina and then the shadow comes out. Like it wasn't, it was just kind of like, you need to trust me. And the time you didn't trust me, you lost a crushing defeat. And it if just, you had, just if really you had only me. trusted me, you'd be sitting on the iron throne right now. I mean, that's, that is a good justification for why you burn your daughter. Uh, I mean, I don't literally mean that, but like reminding us of those stakes once again wouldn't have hurt it. And I think they just really needed to let the circumstances be more dire because that's the thing. He goes from the the speech that he gives Shireen about you know how he saved her from grayscale, 
up at yes. the, the wall just a couple of episodes ago. Yes. Nothing has really changed other than a couple of his horses died. A couple of his men died. And all of his food is gone, to be fair. But as you said, but there's a shitload of horse meat. And it's super cold, so it's not gone bad. Of course not. You just have to eat horses. So it's like, it didn't seem that anything warranted what he did. Yeah. At all. Yeah, no, I, I they, I, they need it, and that's. But if problem. she had promised, if she had said like, "Oh yeah, uh, this, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen, we're gonna win this battle, and here's how," then maybe okay, I understand why he's like got what he considers a sure thing. Yeah, but at this point, there's no reason to do it, and he doesn't have any kind of assurances that it's gonna happen. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I hated every every aspect of it. No, no, I mean, least I, of all the burning of Shireen. And I, this goes back to uh, some jokes we made a couple episodes ago about this terrible snowstorm. If if they could have sold that a little bit better, you know, because I I this I've had worse snowstorms mm. in Indiana for sure. Yeah, like the wind wasn't biting. Like again, you just had a yeah, but I mean, you got a house to huddle into. But I'm just saying, like if 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 this is going to be a storm that's going to keep soldiers. And I get it. They're not equipped for the winter, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, if that's going to keep professional soldiers from pushing forward, I think it needs to be more convincing. All this stuff, you know, dr- making it seem more dire. One thing you did make it seem more dire is really sell the cold and how affecting it is. Like have them burning a pile of their dead soldiers, right? Like yeah. just a huge mound of dead guys. Oh, my God. They're losing soldiers by the dozens. Or maybe you find like a soldier, some soldier has murdered another one and resorted to cannibalism because he's so desperate. There you go. Like that, like that's the kind that of shit <laughs> that you start thinking, well, maybe, maybe you burdened a daughter. Maybe. But this is his only heir. Like I know, man. I anyway, know. I'm not like again, I'm not saying I'm not saying you're wrong because <laughs> what you're saying is correct, Gabriel. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, they did not communicate all those things and the true desperation enough. Uh, yeah. Richard says, didn't anyone have a hate on for Jamie pushing Bran out the window on day one? And now isn't he one of everyone's most favorite characters slash good guy? Mm-hmm. Fair point. Yeah, it is. N- it took him a long ass time to get there, though. And it's really like that's one of those things where when I think about that, it's like cognitive dissonance because you cannot defend pushing a child out the window. No, you can't. Of course not. But I love Jamie. Yeah. In three more episodes or three more seasons, am I going to be back to Stannis to Manus after he burnt his daughter alive? Possibly. I would argue that pushing some rando child out the window is not as bad as burning your only daughter and only heir that you spent a fortune saving and you've had this special relationship with. <laughs> I don't know that you need the fortune saving her. I think, you know, your only daughter. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Is, uh, no, you could stop I'm there. Right? Every <laughs> modifier makes the betrayal worse. Okay, okay. That's all I'm saying. It's compounding it, yeah. So, I, I, I agree, I agree. But, you know, it did take a long time to get Jamie there, and I'm not saying it's impossible to get me on Stannis' side again. It's yeah. just... Right now, I fucking hate him. Uh, the 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 contra side, which I think we've handled fairly well, so I'm only going to pick one. Uh, Natalie H says, "I've been thinking about Stannis allowing Shireen to be burnt. I can't think of anything to justify his actions. I think by letting Shireen burn, it's cost him not only his daughter, who arguably meant the most to him, but also who he is as a person. He's scarifying his integrity and all of his values. What is left of Stannis as a man after this?" Even in a best-case scenario, he sits on the Iron Throne. That victory must be very hollow and a very lonely one. <laughs> Having... He needed Tyrion there to say, okay, let's let's say for a moment that yeah. you burn your daughter yeah. and you get the throne, then what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Having scarred the things that mean the most to him, uh, not to mention that you would have to question how good of a king or leader he would be if he wouldn't win without having to resort to these measures. How would many people trust and respect him if his daughter, the one person who he should have had an undivided loyalty to, is the very person he not only betrayed and failed to protect, but also had a hand in killing in such a horrific way? All good questions. Yep. And there were well over 100 people taking once, uh, probably 90 to 10 Nine to ten, not nine to one uh, on the against versus four, yeah. but uh, just couldn't read them all. But, okay, uh, <laughs> I, I hope you feel like you were heard, um, and we'll talk some more on the spoiler section too. If you're a book reader wanting to get some some more book material in your arguments, uh, Paul W says, "I'm hoping this results in triumph of science over religion. What if Shireen's grayscale has lain dormant and the fire activates it and sends it airborne?" I would love to see Stannis' whole camp being afflicted with grayscale at this point. It's got, you know, right. you, you yeah. take poison ivy, you burn it on a fire, and then you get inhalation exposure, mm-hmm. and it's just a bad deal. Maybe I like it. They've, they've weaponized grayscale. Let's do it. I hope Melisandre and Stannis both get it. And Davos is saved because he rode off before then. Narshalone says, regarding Tristane and Marcella coming to King's Landing, could Doran be plotting to take over the Iron Throne through Tristan? With both Cersei and Marjorie in jail, all they need to do is get Tommen to give up the throne or arrange to have him removed somehow, and Marcella is suddenly the sole claimant to the throne. Heck would even fulfill Cersei's prophecy from the first episode of the season about a queen more beautiful than her replacing her. I feel that Alexander Sadig's uh, abilities as an actor have been wasted thus far, and showing him have a deeper scheme would flesh him out, possibly make the whole Dorne side plot matter. I okay. think that's it. They're trying to put Tristane one heartbeat away from the King Cor- consortship. Seems like it. Hmm. It does. I don't know why. So it. I don't know because he's in the exact opposite position of what he was an episode ago, right? What's Where that? instead of having one of the Lannisters' kids in his kingdom. Now it's the other way around. Which is not, on the face of it, doesn't seem like a strengthening of one's position. It seems dangerous, yeah. Because the ultimate defense of that is just slit Tristane's throat uh, on the way to King's Landing and dump his body overboard. Now you're you're risking open war at Dorne. Well, I, I, I mean, I think that would be uh, a little foolish. I mean, you, certainly you could use him as a hostage like they feared sure. that they were going to do with Marcella, exactly. right? Like, I... So now you've not only... I'm trying to read him. Like, does he trust the Lannisters to be like he is? To not be vindictive and... Surely not. I wouldn't think so, but... so, then Doran's an idiot. But what is he doing then, right? Like, I I get... Okay, maybe he's trying to get him close, but that's a very dangerous move. Yeah. An extremely dangerous move for him. Sure. You lose a hostage and you give them... Huge risk. You give them a hostage. Yeah. I, and you, if you know them to be the lunatics that they are, that's almost dumb. That, that's dumb of him. I mean, if, what's, if he does that, which is why I'm saying, like, does he know? Does do you think he there's going to be some kind of double crossing? But why? I, I feel if, like there has to be. Otherwise, it, what's the like? Point I'm thinking it's like, well, like, so they're sailing, and it turns out that's actually Prince Doran's ship, and he betrays Jamie and and murders him and Braun. Why wouldn't you just do it there if that's what your plan is? Because it makes him look more guilty, but. But how oh, is he going to do actually it? Actually, make it be a shipwreck. Yeah, that kills your son. I know. You put your son in the boat. <laughs> it seems. I, is it also possible that he is just so benevolent that he thinks? Does he seem benevolent when he grabs her and says, "You, you tr- talk to me one more time. I'm going to kill you." 
I believe in that's the thing. Like, well, there's, there's a difference a, between the betrayal that she she committed and him being angry about that versus you know wanting to rule his kingdom in a way that is is good and just. See, my read on him in that first episode where he's just sitting there straight backed in his wheelchair and he's like just gripping his, his armrests and he's seething. Like part of that plays that he's just tired of Ilaria screaming in his ear. But part of that <laughs> sure. is he's just as pissed off yeah. at this Oberyn situation as she is. Mm-hmm. It's just he is a Michael Corleone type and she's a Sonny. But but I don't this see move is sending plan... Tristan off as a hostage makes him almost Fredo. Like, what the fuck, Doran? Yeah. It's a fucking Fredo move. Anyway. There, there must be something else under the surface there I've that's been, going on. I just don't see what it is. I've, I have I, I am with child to find out. Yeah. Uh, Narcelone continues, also, since Ramsey knows that a key part of the plot is to light a candle at the highest tower. I like this one a lot. It makes sense that he would light the candle himself and go ahead and spring the trap. After all, the fact that this plot exists means that there are stark loyalist forces outside your castle, so what better way to expose them than by activating them at a time when you are perfectly prepared for them? Otherwise, you have no way of knowing what else might trigger their response, and it might be at a totally inopportune moment. Is Ramsey a genius, or is he a fucking idiot? Because this is right on, man. It's right on. Maybe he's saving it up. Maybe he's like, Mm. you know what, I'll spring this when I'm ready. But then he goes outside the castle to go do mischief at night. You could possibly to get killed. Like, I, uh, and then he's and then he knows that Stannis' army is out there, and he's going to let someone in the gates when he lights the candle. Like, yeah. How does Brienne get back in? They should be all sieged up, right? Like closed for business. <laughs> I feel like this is the podcast where most people are going to figure out the, the the dark side of the bald move podcasts. Like, you know, what like, like we've been virtually indistinguishable from a fan cast to this point. And now we've just turned on it with knives, like just calling bullshit left. This is the, but not for good. No, re- I not, know. But I'm saying like, cause. do you remember when we started with Walking Dead and there was a point where we're like, this is bullshit. It oh, doesn't yeah. make sense. And yeah. a lot of the fanboys were and girls were like, ah, oh, we don't like you anymore. We just I, I wonder if we're hitting the tipping point. Or it yeah, could be there's I, a lot I of people just pissed off at the episode. I don't know. I think there. I think a ton of people are pissed off at this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, they could. Uh, this could be part of their master plan. Yeah. Or it, could be it just mar- doesn't feel like it's being executed as well as yeah. previous seasons. Honestly. Well, it's that's what my fear is that this is a big convoluted mess of a plot. Mm-hmm. And there's no more information to really give concrete guidance past that. So you are steering a ship into murky waters with no clear roadmap out of this at the mo at the at the worst, most knotted up part in the plot. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Scott R. What if the other two books just never come out? Well, what if they are never released? Or because Martin can't figure it out. I mean, and he that's one wanna... thing because you could then kind of choose your own adventure. I think the worst case scenario for fans, and I speak as one myself, is that yeah. Martin has written himself in a corner and he doesn't really have. Well, that's what I mean. Like he just says he might have you know, a really great idea to end it, but it's not going to make sense getting there, and it's going to be. But he's going to write the books anyway, well, and they're going to be bad right? until the very end. I mean, you either just don't write the books, which again, I think that'd be preferable to writing bad ones. Yeah, but. I, you know, everything's up in the air. The show does not have that luxury. The show no. must go on. And no, it's... I don't know that I like all of where it's going. Yeah. Like I did in the previous seasons. Well, maybe next episode will be another hard home and we can uh, put all this behind us. 
Scott R. said, I have a question concerning the contagiousness of Grayscale and Jorah Jorah Mormont. A lot of people wondering this. The Stone Men touched Jorah, and he got Grayscale during the epic Jorah and Tyrion hell sailing through Valeria. This leads to my question. When does Grayscale become communicable through touch? Is theorized on your show that if Jorah touched any part of Tyrion's skin during the rescue, then he could have passed the disease on? I was really curious about this last night during the epic Sons of the Harpy battle when Jorah reached out and touched Danny with both of his hands to help lead her to safety. Mm -hmm. I let an audible shout of, no, don't touch her! (laughs) Much to the dismay of my wife, who wasn't as concerned about Danny becoming a stone man as I apparently was. I feel like you gotta touch the actual grayscale. Probably. Isn't that how, like, smallpox works? Like, you... If you wash your hands, you're kind of fine, but if you touch, like, the, 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 the... the the boils and stuff that's where the the disease is manifesting yeah i'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and say that's it because so we Tyrion really... has not gotten grayscale that we know right. of and those dudes were ate up with grayscale like head to toe. yeah there was no part of them that was not touched by it yeah so any touch from them yeah does it yeah uh anyway yeah i don't think it, it yeah i mean just your skin's a pretty effective barrier against bacteria and germs unless it's actively infected yeah yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with that too, unless proven otherwise. In which case, Danny's got yet another problem. Oh yeah, uh, she'll just I- turn into a dragon. She'll get dragon scales instead <laughs> of grayscale. Uh, then who rides her? Tyrion. Who's the dragon? Tyrion. Obviously, yeah. Drogon. Turnabout's fair play. <laughs> Drogon rides Danny. Uh, Alan C says after calming down from the mind blowing second half of last night's episode, I was thinking about why Drogon wasn't able to simply demolish the Sons of the Harpy. Could it be that a dragon can only do so much without a rider? The best analogy I can think of is a German shepherd. You can have a cute and lovable German shepherd as your pet, and if a burglar breaks in, they can bark and provide some protection. But in order to get the tactical and aggressive police canine unit of the German shepherd fame, they need to be trained properly and have a handler to command them. Is a dragon the same way? Can a dragon do only so much by themselves, meaning it takes a badass dragon rider to train them and pilot them like a truly top gun dragon? Could be. I suppose. Why not? Yeah. Is she going to do a uh, fly? Uh, a bu- is she going to buzz the tower of the hand? <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I also I think this wonder... makes a lot of sense because a drag like these aren't the dragons of Tolkien that are like clever and intelligent and yeah, like engage yeah. in riddle stories. These seem to be just bestial creatures. Seems like it. Yeah. So it makes sense that you you know have to have a intelligent being directing your devastation or else it's just going to be you know still formidable i wouldn't want to fight one but not something that no. a, a combined army could take them out yeah and I, I felt like you know it, it shot fire a couple times and maybe there's like a gland that produces this fire material like a, some sort of uh flammable yeah. something in its body and maybe it can't because it stopped shooting fire at one point well he did get, you know? yeah he did get stabbed in the neck it could just be the pain yeah, I guess. Or it also could be that he didn't stop. He stopped shooting fire when Danny was approaching him because he didn't want to roast her. I, yeah, it almost seemed like maybe he tried to breathe fire on her. Yeah, he roars right in her face. I wonder if that was just like see that's the he's debate, out of that's juice. the debate we had with the other dragons, and they I think consciously avoided breathing fire on her because they are clearly could. They could have. Yeah, they were just pissed off and hormonal teenage dragons. I wonder if that's going to be one of the tensions of the book. That Danny knows her dragons aren't battle tested, but she has to use them. And and I wonder what the uh, will it be silly to see like people mourning a death of a dragon? Hmm. 
Yeah, why would people other than Danny be connected to these dragons emotionally? Yeah, but I mean, would we be sad on her behalf? Because that's the thing is Amelia Clark is kind of all over the place for me as an actor. I thought the first half of season one, she was terrible. She got really good. In season two, she was pretty terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And season three and four, like I remember her being fairly good. And this year, it's kind of back to like, I don't know, man. She just got this dead-eyed stare when she's climbing Drogon. Like, there was just no passion or really anything about it. Huh. So I'm wondering if... if I mean, she was... What was she actually climbing, right? Like, she's climbing some green velvet monstrosity they built. It's called the art of acting for a reason. So, like, that (laughs) I know, but come on. Ewan McGregor can't be at fault for Star Wars. (laughs) He sold the hell out of riding that shrieking, screaming lizard thing. (laughs) I will have you know. Ewan McGregor (laughs) was not the problem with Star Wars. Uh, (laughs) Indeed. Indeed he was not. Uh, what the hell was I saying? Oh, it just makes me worry because you're right. If we feel anything at all from a potential dragon dragon sacrifice, it's going to be through the lens of her. Yeah, and I don't yeah. know that she's going to be able to sell that for us. Hmm. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I guess. Um. Well, she sold Drogo or Dragon Drogo dying. So I guess if Drogon would die, I would be. I care at least as much uh, as I did Cal. Jordan L. Uh, got a lot of got a lot of Magic the Gathering fans that emailed us. You know, I'm not e- surprised. Excited that we talked about Magic the Gathering. You're kidding me. People who are fans of Game of Thrones are also fans we of need talk, Magic the Gathering. We need to talk to Watsy. Get a sponsorship. There you go. Yeah, we'll Give sponsor away a pack uh, a week or something. D&D 8.0 or whatever they're on. No, nah, Magic fans. All about Magic. Uh, you, wait, you think the people who are Magic fans are also are not also D&D fans? I'm just saying the subset's a lot bigger. Okay. Like yeah. Magic pays the bills over at Watsy or Hasbro or whatever the hell they are now. Yeah. Uh Jordan L says after Hard Home, I was trying to figure out where all the Valerian steel is, which led me to the question, is it mentioned in the books that the throne of Westeros is made out of Valerian steel? It'd be cool symbology to see the throne taken hmm. apart to make swords for the people who defend against the White Walkers as leaders Ooh. must give up the pursuit of power of the throne and work as equals to do the same, which supports Aaron's democratic, non-Joffrey-like-ish society theory. That would be fucking cool. Here's the thing. I don't think those are Valyrian steel swords, but guess how the Iron Throne was made? I don't know. Aegon melted all the swords of the conquered kings and lords with his dragon. Right. So if one of the theories is the dragons that that Valerian steel is essentially steel that's been tempered by dragon fire, <laughs> then every one of it those things are now into... Valerian steel. Interesting. That would I think it'd be awesome to see that thing dismantled and reforged into a, like a hundred swords. It would be cool, and I honestly I've never heard that before ever. So if that ends huh. up being it's a first, Jordan, I will have your back on that claim. Uh, Mike says, do you guys think that Danny consciously called Dra- Drogon to her? I got the sense that she hmm. was holding Masandi's hand and closing her eyes was more to show that she was resigning herself to death. We actually end up talking about you. You brought that point up. Yeah. And he's right. Um, okay. So let's move on to point the second on another note. Where the hell was Grey Worm in this episode? Are we supposed to believe oh. he's still recovering from his injuries all the way back in episode four? How much time has passed since then? It seems like he would be capable of at least attending the games with them, considering the threat of the Sons of the Harpy. Good fucking question. Yeah. Where the hell is Grey Worm? Dead? I don't know. Maybe that was his last stand. If he died and they and we don't know about it, <laughs> no. That's terrible. Of course not. That would be that's horrible. That's terrible. Uh, I don't know. Probably, yeah, still recovering. I don't know. I can't tell how long it's taken 
place between I mean, those two episodes. It's hard for me to believe that they'll write him a scene for the last episode of the season, but man, I kind of feel like I need to. Because if he's yeah, he's he's seriously hurt bad enough he can't just stand in, in her box as a ceremonial honor guard type person. Still, yeah, seems like a pretty grave injury then. Yeah. Uh, Alexander C. Jorah and now Tyrion have had their cynicism of the world destroyed at the sight of Danny's dragons. But why do her dragons indicate that she's such an inspirational leader? Many Targaryens of yore rode dragons, a lot of whom were terrible or insane. The Targaryens, not the dragons, to be clear. Also, dragons aren't seen as a Westerosi myth the way the White Walkers are. They're a historical reality from just a couple of hundred years ago. I understand how seeing walkers would blow people's minds. But they know dragons were around in relatively recent history. So why are Jorah and Tyrion's cynical worldviews so dramatically reversed? That's a Mm. good question. I thought about, like, intellectually, I know there are blue whales in the ocean. But if I were in the middle of the Pacific and one swam right underneath me, I think it would be a life-changing experience. Okay. So it could be that, yes, you're aware that at one time there were dragons and the last of them died out a hundred years ago. But seeing them with your own eyes. But I mean, they've seen one before. Jorah and Tyrion have both seen dragons. I think it was I think it was more the suddenness of the appearance right there. What going? Oh, God, this isn't a dragon 15 miles away in the sky. This is a dragon right in my fucking face. Well, also that she's finally living up to her potential of mother of dragons. Uh-huh. Like, like that's kind of amazing that this guy came and kicked so much ass. And then she just jumped. She just swung a leg over him and rode off. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's the epic part of it. Didn't, uh-huh. I, I don't think, I don't think it quite got there technically, but no, yeah, no, sure. that, maybe that's explains. Yeah. I mean, it's got, it's a very different thing, right? Seeing, I mean, even like an airplane, right? Seeing an airplane in the sky is nothing compared to seeing one up close in person. But as far as why they're excited about it, inspirational-wise, I guess Mm. it's because Danny seems like a good person. She doesn't seem like she's evil. Um, She's a a little naive and inexperienced, but... Right. uh, Yeah, she seems benevolent. But I think the jury is out, because I, I know in the books, I thought they said this in the television show, too, that they've mentioned that the Mad King wasn't always the Mad King. He was actually kind of a popular dude until he started losing his mind and getting very paranoid and suspicious late in life. So this goes back to something I talked about episodes ago. I think the jury is very much still out about what kind of ruler Danny will become and whether she's the big bad or the big good or whatever remains to be seen. Hmm. Okay. Which is surprising this late into the damn series. Um, Virgilio V, which has an awesome name. It sounds very bravosi. Uh, it's more or now more likely the sons of harpies are actually foreign infiltrators, maybe sent from the other slaver cities, maybe sent by enemies of Danny or the Targaryens in general. This would make, this would also explain why they're such capable fighters against the Unsullied and would make Barristan's death against them more palpable, palatable. Fortunately, Tyrion is around to see who's behind the sons of harpy. Danny's current small council has been ineffective and ill-equipped to solve the puzzle. Do you think that it's potential that we're wrong, that it's not the wise masters, nor is it the former slaves? It's actually some foreign element that is destabilizing Danny for some unknown purpose. Hmm. I mean, I, I considered part of that, you know, that it might be sellswords, because like I said before, they were such good fighters. I, I think I said that in a previous episode. Yeah, they do seem like they have. Like, if these are just former slaves and... uh Wise masters, why the ex, why the expertise in martial affairs? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the question would be who, who is, who is leading them, right? Is it, is it from within or without? And it seems like, and what would be the motivation? I don't know why it couldn't be someone from outside the city, but I mean, that would, that would be a little bit weird given that she came up and like, she came in and stirred up the city, right? Like who else would be super mad about that? All right, so the other cities, the other yeah, slave cities, but, but they've kind of dealt with them. Here's my they've ten- dealt with them, and like, wouldn't they be working with the people inside Marine? Like, aren't aren't the people in Marine just as pissed, if not more pissed about? Well, it? I'm sure they are. I, I mean, I I don't, I I think they probably are, and maybe that's where the smirking horror comes in, and all the other. So stuff. maybe it's but like a joint force. But I'm thinking, mm. like, here's my tinfoil thought: something. It, it's all about the Karth. You okay. know, she murdered one of their 13 rulers and stole his fortune. She set yeah. the warlocks on fire. Lots of people pissed about her. And then, because they also are all about the merchant trade. They're all about their own riches and self-interest. She yeah. destroyed one of the leading industries of their region, the slave empire, which has got to affect. I mean, she just gutted it. She took out all the great slave cities. That's got to make them pretty pissed from an economic standpoint. Yeah. Maybe they're the ones pulling the strings. Okay. I can buy that. Jake, quick question. Is it possible Arya has a face on that we are not as an audience able to see? Like if she puts on a face, they have to get a new actor to play Arya for that time. So to prevent confusion and whatnot, they don't show us if she's got a face on. What will her wearing a face look like to us as a viewer? That's a really good question. I don't think this is actually Mm. happening. Yeah. Because... If they were doing that, I would suggest that they would do kind of like a quantum leap deal where they show her in front of the mirror mirror and we see that she looks different, but she looks the same to us to kind of suggest. They would have to. They haven't done a single thing. Why would you pull Maisie Williams off her game to give her a different face on some of the potentially juiciest stuff she has to work with? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I they haven't indicated in any way that that's what they're doing, and if it is, it's terrible. But uh, I agree. That's I, I don't think it is. I want to say no way, Jake, because if they are pulling that <laughs> and it's a retcon. But also, we didn't talk about this. Marin Trant, uh, Sir Pedo, he gave a lot of eye fucks over to Arya. Is that because he's just a pedophile that was lusting after an underage girl? Could be. Or is it because there is a shadow of recognition from years ago? Or is it all of the above? Uh, you know, the first time through, I read it as uh, a shadow of recognition. The me second too. time through, <laughs> knowing who That's he true, is. because we didn't know that he was a pedophile at that point. No, uh-uh. So oh. the second time through, it's like, yeah, maybe there's a little bit more to it. But I think he definitely, like, half recognized her. Yeah. But he had more pressing matters at the moment. I think it's probably a little combination A and B. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Inver M says, what do you make of Hisdar's death? I'm not buying it. To me, it looks staged, and I wouldn't be surprised if the episode opened next Sunday with him removing his Miranese Kevlar vest with a piece of goat liver taped around it or whatever <laughs> other animal internal organs you could use uh-huh. to simulate bleeding after being stabbed. I mean, his reason for being late was that he had to make sure everything was quote-unquote in place or quote, in order, and the camera stays an extra second longer on him being conspicuous about his tardiness. It could be the Double D's messing with us and debunking the Hisdar Mole, leader of the Harpies theory. And if I'm onto something, why would he take himself out like that, faking his own death so he could pull the strings in secret, when the most effective strategy would have been an insider in the enemy's camp? Yeah. Uh, 
To, that, that's that's the question, right? To what end? Yeah, my gut says. What does this change? My gut says that he was a son of heart, the one of the sons of the harpies, mm-hmm. and he was betrayed after his usefulness was over. They thought this was going to be the kill shot, and they didn't want any. I don't know, but mm-hmm. why would they care about witnesses at that point? So maybe this is a thing where. I, I don't know. Like, right? if this, like this was intended. I mean, he could like, probably lead them if, if to. Not, can we agree that if not for Drogon, she's dead? Uh, yes, I agree with that. So if they planned on this to be an assassination, why would they want to kill? I mean, it makes me look into because if it now. if it doesn't work, he could lead them back to the people who. But the other thing is, if it doesn't work, he's <sighs> yeah. still placed to be in her inner yeah, circle. It's, it's tough to say. Um, now. I, I, don't I can't know, see the way to make this work. Not saying it's not. So what if this, so what if that that's what happened, right? So he goes in there thinking, okay, everything's in place. We're going to attack the queen and all this, uh-huh. and he gets assassinated, or there's an attempted assassination on him. Right on. He lives through it, and he turns against them and leads her to the sons of the harpy. That would be interesting because they betrayed him. That would be interesting. Not as interesting as them just figuring out on their own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's Not as well, interesting as sending Dario in. That's to a well-worn trope. The bad guys overplay their hand and try to do treachery, yeah. and it wakes the person up. Like it's that, that wouldn't be unheard of. Again, I don't think it's sure. as interesting as them just figuring out what the hell it is on their own. Because I think we kind of desperately mm-hmm. need to see Tyrion do something really cool. And I him, agree. Him yeah. figuring out the Sons of Harpy's problem and taking charge of the situation would be welcome yeah for me I, I bet they're saving the cool stuff for Tyrion. although Tyrion might might die yeah in this next episode i don't know he's the other still obvious, not completely out of trouble the other obvious candidate for uh treachery would be dario because man yes i know everyone keeps bringing up dario dario is the leader of the sons of the harpy i don't know man i like dario too much i don't know why he would ingratiate himself with her maybe he's mad that she rejected him and that his plan was to lead her out into safety and have his Darby killed. But man, why would you engineer a citywide revolt just for that? <laughs> Dario's a man That's that a seems like he can kill his Dar just without oh, much yeah. trying. Yeah. And probably make it look kind of like an accident. Yeah. I, Your I'm not on board slipped with in Dario. the puddle of urine in the toilet today uh-huh. and broke his neck. Hell of a thing. Yep. It happens. Uh, Jeff in. It's been a few episodes since we've seen Varys or Littlefinger, and for you two guys who like to manipulate things behind, or I'm sorry, not us two, for two guys who like to manipulate things behind the scenes, that's a lot of time to be plotting and scheming. Has Littlefinger rallied the troops of the Vale? For what family? What neck of the world is Varys in? Working with Elena Tyrell again? What do you think Littlefinger and Varys' next moves are, and will we see them in episode 10? I don't know, man. We debated Littlefinger's next move, you know, right after he told Cersei, yeah, I'll go in and mop up and yeah. bring you Sansa's head. Uh, I don't, there hasn't been any movement on that whatsoever. So there's the happiest of endings, right? The Boltons and the Baratheons beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. One emerges as a victor. And maybe and they've even got it. it it's it's, it's a, a, a hard-fought and ill-won victory. And then Littlefinger comes and crushes them with the Knights of the Vale. Yeah, save Sansa and they've got everyone climb, lives happily they've got, ever. They've after. got climbing gear and they're spanning the walls and they just it's it's a it's a it's a total def, uh, victory. Yeah, 
That would be cool. I, Varys is the wild card, right? Like, where the hell where is, is Varys? Did he just Varys? go, oh, well, yeah. when Tyrion got kidnapped? Yeah. I guess I'm going back to King's Landing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You would think I was kind of waiting to see if he would show up at some point with Danny. Because he, why would yeah. he, he wanted to go there too? Mm-hmm. Or maybe he thinks he can be better serving her somewhere else. I don't know. I have no idea what he's doing at the moment. Yeah, but it's probably plotting and scheming. Yeah. Uh, second point: Are we sure Shireen is dead? Could her grayscale have protected her in some way? Game of Thrones has seemingly killed people before, only to reveal that they are alive. Brandon Stark and the Mountain, we think, are the first two that come to mind. Even if Shireen is dead, could Mel revive her like the Red Priest Thoros bringing back Beric Dondarrion? What gives? Did Shireen have to die? Why not just leech her blood? Last question, I don't know. I really don't know. It could be that Melisandre's just fucking around with all his blood magic and nothing is really actually working. It's just all superstition and bullshit. Yeah. Um, But the Shadow Baby is... Again, it's not blood magic, it's semen magic, but I... It makes me want to not discount all the other stuff. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, the The other question is: Is Shireen still alive? Her, I don't know. Her screaming stops in that episode conspicuously. Melisandre smiles. Uh, I, I don't think so. Yeah, but I'm not going to say no. We never see her actually, you know, burnt up. But what a, would that be like? Because you know. Beric Dondarrion was fucked up. He's missing an eye. He was scarred up. He was like, looks like he was burnt. Like resurrecting Shireen would be a hor- like a monkey's paw type situation. It would be horrific. Yeah, Which, I'm not saying <laughs> that Game of Thrones wouldn't go there, but it's it's not like something I'm holding out hope for. I'd kind of oh, like see, to I was, avoid I was the going monkey's with, paw situation. I was going with the idea in that email that Grayscale. It makes you fireproof somehow, oh. like like a Danny sort of situation where everything burns around her and she comes out looking. But she's no not worse for covered wear. in grayscale. She's covered. I know, in, you know. So you'd have one. But it like changes your blood or something. I I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't yeah. think grayscale does anything to make you fireproof. Yeah, I think you got to be a dragon mother for that. That would be interesting <laughs> if they she kind of have her Danny moment and what would that mean? Yeah, if I was Stannis, I don't man, think so, I, man. I would kill Stannis and then follow her. <laughs> with the way she was screaming on that thing uh oh, and the way man. it stops yeah i don't i don't think she's alive yeah no way no how not going to be watching rewatching this episode very often yep and as for fuck that scene <laughs> i watched a second because i'm a professional but i yeah. don't want to ever hear those screams again that's it, terrible it, it was it was horrifying on the level of like when it sounded like a pig being slaughtered you yeah know? like slowly like the screams of terror being from going to, just it's, sheer pain and terror and like yeah it was really well done for the effect they were going for like when Rob's just pregnant wife got stabbed in the stomach I thought that was about as bad as they can get from a physical violence ooh no um no. and and <laughs> that was hard to watch but like I've seen the red wedding episode several times more since then. Hmm. And but this like I whew, it's I the first time I actually turned turned the, the volume down because I'm like Jesus Christ if my son my is still awake this is a bad deal <laughs> he's Daddy, like what is dead why there? is that little girl screaming like I I'm uncomfortable <laughs> yeah yeah like you're watching that scene these on an are the airplane. types of shows I you watch that son. scene on an airplane you start like shielding like oh, I don't know yeah. if this is appropriate for public yeah, don't watch Game of Thrones on an airplane <laughs> what are you doing. <laughs> 
Common uh, courtesy, people. I've heard of people watching porn on airplanes. Oh, my God. That blows me away. Those people need to be burnt at the stake. There you go. <laughs> there, you, That's who you burn. Yep. Porn watchers on airplanes. Uh, all right, Jim. If uh, they got more, if that's all the feedback we got for this week, if they got more, they'd like to send us. Uh, next week probably is going to be a big week. Not really sure. Maybe. Yeah, I'm hoping for a Winterfell battle. I don't think I'm going to get it, though. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm kind. I'm. I'm. I, I'm not sure how they're going to give us a traditional last-minute shot in the arm to carry us on to season six. But I'm hoping they got something up their sleeve. The killing of Marin Trant. The killing of Marin Trant. Uh, but uh, we'll be back covering that with our instant cast on Sunday. Sunday night, as soon as the episode's over. You could also send us feedback at Game of Thrones at BaldMove.com and get on our forums at forums.baldmove.com. We got spoiler threads, non-spoiler threads. I'll be back Friday to have a spoiler edition where we'll talk about whether Stannis lives up to his character in the books, among other things. All right. Sounds good. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter to get our releases as soon as they drop. Okay. Well, then uh, you'll see Aaron on Friday and you'll see me on Sunday. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you.